Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. <clears throat> well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. I'm just going to sit here and push buttons today. You know what? I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. We address issues between food producers and food consumers, not rural and urban America, Jay Truitt. Keep right. that straight. No, it's, listen. Uh, is, that allowed, is that to allow Jay Truitt to sell pies online? Is that what you're telling me? Is that what this is all about? Yeah. You know if what? You, if you had one well, of Kathy's pies, you'd want to get one online. Let me tell you. That's what I was going to say. The odds... The odds of me putting a pie in a box and sending it to someone in the U.S. postal <laughs> system is so, so remote that it's not even funny. You can freeze it, I guess, but... Uh, no. yeah, yeah. No, uh, Andrew, right. did you have to bring along help today? You're feeling a little helpless. I, I am. I, I must admit, I, I'll tell you, I had a, a very... Um, I had some, something happened to me that doesn't happens very infrequently. I had an, a very restless night's sleep trend. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I decided to get up early and we went to Damien's uh, place this morning for a meeting about a new product that we're developing. But I also have found the last uh, 40 hours and news cycle to be of amazing proportions. And that was one of the reasons why I couldn't sort of... Um, properly sleep it's not just what's happening um in america i I'll, I'll give you one example just to start the thing off the agenda 30 uh, initiative which we've discussed many many times the national farmers union president in the uk has been photographed this week on the front of the farmers weekly with an agenda 30 badge on her lapel so how deep can it go trent no, Andrew, that's a problem we have here. And, and when we talk about Agenda 30, it's kind of like Agenda 21. You don't really know what that means, although we know that I've spent a lot of time talking about 30 by 30, which is all about carbon burying, not carbon sequestration, yeah. not carbon utilization in the life cycle. But we're talking about burying carbon to decrease plant life, period. Mm -hmm. And But what I wanted to get to with that. We have as many farm uh, organizations and commodity groups who are supporting this as those of us who are opposing it. Jay, it, it's not a clear-cut deal, people, because there's a little carrot dangling out there that if you don't be a part of this carbon pipeline, which, by the way, they're losing ground significantly in the last week, you're not going to be in business. They've got everybody scared into this thought process. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we... You, you look at uh, all the early conversation about our next farm bill and what is it about? Literally, what is yeah. that? I mean, we're, we'll obviously, most of the funding will still go into, yeah, it'll go to nutrition programs. But every conversation that starts off is, oh, well, you know, we're going to do some green stuff. We're going to have, we're going to have some, uh, uh, basically that those 30 by 30 components that are that are starting to sneak into just traditional farm production programs and you you can't avoid the conversation in washington dc today i promise you it's just impossible to even avoid it 
And it brings a whole new group of players into the discussion as well. I think it's one of the things I, I, I'm, I try to make sure when I talk to farm groups that, that they understand who calls me and talks to me, ask me about things like 30 by 30 uh, and some of the ingredients inside that where we're talking about managing carbon and CO2. And those calls are from people like British Petroleum, yep. um, Chevron, um, go down through the list and name, yep. name the top five oil companies in the world. And those are the people that want to talk to you about carbon sequestration the most. And they're trying to figure out how they engage with or inside of agriculture to get, get credit. Right. I mean, this is, <laughs> so they're, 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 I, I can understand that. So what they're trying to work out is what the credits are going to be worth so that they can spell, spend the trillions of dollars that they're making out of the general public at the moment on carbon credits to allow them to continue to sell their wares. Is that where we're, we're going here, do you think? No, so, so, so listen, this thing gets real simple math-wise when, when, you, when you look at it. Uh, I have a conversation the other day with, a, with a, an oil company out of uh, California, and the oil company in California was looking for um, renewable natural gas production out of the Midwest so that they could offset their, their, uh, their needs for or their usage of, of chemically carbon. produced carbon produced uh, or fossil fuel produced natural gas, uh, classified natural gas in California itself. And they're paying four times the rate. Wow. So, you know, uh, <laughs> you, you buy this, uh, you buy this regenerated natural gas that came from, really came from methane from cows, which is the funny thing, right? Um, you, you turn around, turn methane into uh, uh, natural gas and then sell it to somebody in California it's worth four times what the actual natural gas rate is. And we put it so how, anyway, whoa, whoa, whoa. For the uneducated that don't know the nuance and the, 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 the detail like you understand there, what you're actually saying is that the the plants, the what do you call those plants in America that produce methane, the maize plants? What are they called, Trent? Ethanol. You're plants. always talking about them. Ethanol the ethanol plants, plants they're producing uh, gas, or, or, mm. or some of the plants are produced from cow manure. And that. Mm, mm. The, no, no, the, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're on the wrong path. Okay. Why? No. There, methane is not really an issue with the ethanol plant. <clears throat> the methane discussion comes about with uh, cows and ruminants themselves, whether they be in a dairy or in a, a beef scenario. Now, sorry, am I talking, so, okay, the ethanol plants are, are producing renewable fuel, is that correct? Is that what, producing is that what we're talking about? or ethanol. Yeah. Yeah, so, so the, the oil companies are buying that to offset their own carbon footprint. Is that what you're saying, Jay? No, I'm saying that they're wanting to buy um, they're, they're actually trying to figure out how they can buy the, the methane that is produced from livestock facilities. Ah, right. Okay. Or be involved in a biogas, constructing biogas facilities themselves that are actually cracking that carbon atom, just like you would crack a, you know, an oil carbon okay. atom and turning yeah. that into natural gas, putting it in a pipeline then. And if you put it wherever you put it in a pipeline, you can take credit for it at the other end of that pipeline as offsetting it. And so, but again, 
the, the, the real key, the real key thing here, and this is what, I mean, back to Trent's point where some of the farm groups, I think are real, I guess I can defend them a tiny bit. I, I get really upset about the bigger agenda. I'm on the same page as Trent about that. By the same token, I'm not for sure that you can be 100% critical in the fact that, that you talk to a dairyman, say, up in Wisconsin today, literally. And uh, I, I've done this. I've had this conversation in the last few weeks. They don't, they don't really want to talk about it openly and publicly, but you, you can get them to admit that milk has become the secondary product. If they happen to be structured properly um, and, they're, and they've already okay. got one of these biogas collection <laughs> facilities, milk becomes like a secondary production mechanism for them. And, and it's actually a byproduct. I'm sorry. It's actually a byproduct. Yeah. Yeah. And so at yeah. the end of the day, the yeah, well, really, I, I all, can... you, all you need is to keep cow. You don't see, you don't need to keep a cow fresh in order to produce no. manure, but you do produce a little bit more manure when the cow is fresh. And so well, I, it's I, just enough incentive to do it. You want to produce as much manure as you possibly can in that scenario. Uh, I might. <laughs> well, just, look, 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 I, I want to just. No, hold on. I got to do a little translation and then I'm going to go to a break and then I'm going to go to Andrew. But yeah. for those that may not know cows, the fresh cows are not cows that are overly, overly friendly. The fresh cows <laughs> are the cows that come into milk and then are in their milk lactation cycle. That's right. exactly what Jay Truitt is talking about with fresh cows. We don't have stale cows, I'm just saying. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more Roll Route after this. The bat today, I want to remind you about the Wall of Honor. I met some folks last night that are working on different walls of honor around the nation, and nobody's doing what we're doing here with this Wall of Honor. It's the Wall of Honor. You can find a ton of Wall of Honors, and all that really matters is that we say thank you, and we show our appreciation and respect for what it is that these veterans have done for us. The Wall of Honor is a monitor that you put in your business or you put it in a school, or you put it in the courthouse, you put it any place where the public gathers. It scrolls through the hometown heroes, so to speak. I was with a bunch of those hometown heroes last night. I, I got to tell you, every single Wounded Warrior event of any kind that I've attended, I find so much inspiration. And I know there are men and women who are um, challenged from a mental issue, PTSD, who wouldn't be? The Wall of Honor is about saying thank you for all of those challenges. Welcome back. Roll around Trent Lewis alongside Damien, Andrew, and Jay. Trent, just here identifying fresh cows from stale cows. <laughs> well, uh, to, to back up what uh, Jay just said, I have a, a farmer customer of ours who up until um, Biden closed, closed the Keystone Pipeline or whatever you call it, um, he was losing about a quarter of a million dollars a year from his uh, anaerobic digester plant from his 1,700 cows. Now, and this is just to back up what you're saying, that same digester is making five million pounds a year. So yeah. it went from a quarter of a million pound loss to a five million pounds a year profit. Wow. 
And we know we know that the anaerobic digesters um, here, there's about a thousand of them. There's probably 600 on farm currently, substantial anaerobic digesters making power or making gas to make power. And um, I think I think I read there's about 180 million pounds of subsidy available. Yeah. Year. Oh, Trent loves that subsidy. Favourite word, isn't it, Trent? You no. Know, and, and, and so I always this is say being a cocaine of- addiction. Yeah, <laughs> just follow the money because in the end you yeah, need but, it. Excellent. All right, though. All right, though. So hang on because I I think one of the one of the opportunities. So I I kind of get tired of us constantly being in a you know in that in attack mode within the system. And mm. let's let's all if we all agree that we were to take the subsidies out of the system, okay, that we'd have a more market responsive system. Of course. But with that said, I do think that from a technology standpoint, we we have actually kind of cracked the cracked the ability to uh, do completely different things inside of uh, commercial agriculture today than what we ever wanted wanted to think about in the past and change the financial dynamics for those operations without subsidization. Mm -hmm. Right. And, they, and, and we shouldn't kid ourselves that there's also a consequence to that, right? Because not everybody is going to want to have the size of operation that will allow you to participate in having a, a, a biogas facility in the United States. Yeah. At least here yeah. in the United States, that means that you have to have a minimum of, say, like somewhere around between two and 4,000 dairy cows in a mm. concentrated region, right, just to make it mechanically work mm. uh, from an economy of scale. When you get to a, a, when you start talking about it in a beef type system, the numbers actually go up because beef cows produce less manure than than do dairy cows on a unit basis. And and so the the reality is is that this discussion from people the the what started as a liberal discussion to try to be an environmental discussion forced everybody to have an economic discussion, and then it turned around and forced everybody to then look at what are the systems that can actually survive in the future, maybe thrive with subsidies, but survive literally in the future. And you, you will, you, you, the result is, is that the green, the green folks on the far left just created a scenario that concentrates agriculture in fewer hands yeah. in the future. Yeah dramatically at some point if you're not if you're not careful and maybe this is the right thing economically listen that's a whole different discussion that we have to have other people besides me weigh in but it for sure changes the landscape there's one other component jay that i don't hear anybody talking about and you can read right now that the access to fertilizer in the future is oh. going to be limited. I mean, yeah. every day there's a barrage of how there won't be fertilizer. We can't use fertilizer. And when you concentrate all of those bovine animals into a few large dairies, which is exactly what's happening, and you get paid for producing. I mean, I know towns in Wisconsin for years that have 100% of their power supplied from a yep. local dairy. I mean, it's been yep. happening. Yep. But you use the manure to produce energy and electricity 
instead of putting it back on the land, continuing the cycle. So at a time that the big picture is that we're short on fertilizer because of a disruption to the infrastructure, we have we've challenged, we've incentivized through subsidies, as Damien said, to take more of our manure, our plant nutrients, and burn them to supply the local town with energy and electricity instead of using a resource like coal or natural gas and taking the the fluent and getting it back on the, the land. Well, yeah. you're not 100% right there, Trent, because the uh, uh, biogas anaerobic digester produces digestate, which is mm. actually extremely powerful fertilizer in itself. And we can, using other products, because I'm involved in a, an initiative at the moment, we can add um, uh, micronutrients to that digestate to make it really, really positive and powerful fertilizer. So I'm not entirely agreeing with you that uh, by moving the manure into a situation where it produces uh, fuel, that we can't utilize the byproduct in the same way. I'm not doubting that, that we you can, can use it, but what is the nutrient that's left after, what's that diogestate, dio I think you called it? Tell me about that, nutrition. The biogestate, well, I can tell you, it's actually, it's better in in in, uh, in many respects for uh, for replenishing the soil structure than manure it is a very very rich mineral uh, uh product because don't forget your own in the, that biodigester you're feeding the bugs so it's the bug manure that mm. you're then using um as a fertilizer so it's not entirely the way you see it i'm not saying you're, I, you're, so, you're not wrong you're wrong yeah, it's just yeah, not entirely the way you're no but again andrew though so uh, this is not the same in, in the United States as it would be there, right? Be okay. Just there, so there's going to be some steps here we're talking about, but we're almost now back into a stupid windmill discussion. Right. Yeah. And, and I say that because in the mm -hmm. United States, what we've done with the states of what in the past, what we did with the states of Wyoming, Mont big portions of Montana, Idaho, you know, uh, big chunks of Nebraska, at least half the state of Nebraska or more. Uh, was we didn't intensively row crop those. We were able to take advantage of all those cows that are out grazing across the, the hinterland. And you know where that manure uh, was applied mechanically? When the cow's tail went up. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, that's how it, it got applied by the cows to the location. And it was this natural circle that was going on. In order to, my, this is the point I'm trying to make about the other. In order to make these mechanical production systems work, though, you have to change that dynamic. You have to move where the where the cow is. Okay. We have to raise cattle in a different way. Mm -hmm. And while yeah. I I can still call myself a cowboy and have a a, a, a five hundred thousand square foot barn, you know, where I'm collecting manure and I'm a natural gas salesman on the other side too, and you can say that that economic model works. That is not the same in your local community as the other. And you, we, for once no. in our lives, we should have the discussion from the beginning about what, the, what those changes are going to be. We didn't do it with the pork industry. We didn't do it with the poultry industry. We're about to do it with the beef industry at some point. And for goodness sakes, we should at least look the, the train square on and understand that there's a pro and a con and decide which which path you want to take. But remember, we're still started down this whole path because a bunch of leftist whack jobs 
from <laughs> the UN yeah. uh, came out and told everybody we got to do it. Well, the a land Andrew, I want to qualify what I said because every dairy that I've been on that has this uh, methane capture and produces electricity, they dry that micronutrient you were talking about that's left or the, the bigester, mm -hmm. and they use that as bedding. They they bed their cows with it. That's what no, they no, do. No, 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 that's it. No, no, Trent, be careful. There's the digestate that's dry. There's also the wet digestate. Which is a liquid. Which is a liquid. There's two, right. there's two byproducts. It's right. not just one. Okay, no, but they in. dry the what's left. And then they run. Then they use it to bed their cows. They don't reapply it to the land. Yeah, but the the wet digestate they replenish it to the land, and there's millions of gallons of it. Believe me. Well, and and I, by the way, just to say uh, what what um, Jay's just said, what what the lefties and liberals have given us here is a really good idea. What we should be doing with human manure, to be quite honest, that's yeah. what I I would we, say to you. We, we do that here in the U.S. Well, yeah. not not as well as we should. We don't do it here in the U.K. I know that. I don't know how well we do it, Jay, but we do it in the U.S. Here's what else we do. We take a break when the clock says go. We'll be back <laughs> with the second half of this biofuel discussion like never before after this. Things in the works that protect the harvest, and that really is what you have to have to stay on top of issues of the day is to have many things in the works. There's a harvest series, which I'm bringing weekly on uh, Trent on the Loose, focusing on the people that make the harvest happen from farm to fork. And if you log on the website, you can always sign up for the free email newsletter. But I say the free email newsletter because Protect the Harvest is all about empowering you to take this country back. A free and fed nation, a free and fed America is what makes the difference in how we improve human lives. So save the date, November the 22nd, 1 a.m. Central Time, through November the 29th, 1145 Central Time, the Giving Tuesday online auction to benefit Protect the Harvest. The only thing we need is your assistance, and then spread the word, not about necessarily contributing, but empowering our nation to take our harvest back so we can maintain a free and fed America. Protect the Harvest, full details. Welcome back, everyone. Trent Luce alongside Andrew Henderson and Jay Truitt. I have news. The break was long enough that I was able to research this. This is a good story. I'm glad you brought up Sierra Nevada Brewing, Andrew, which is oh, based okay, in good. Chico. Ken Grossman, at the age of 14, started doing backyard brewing in 1969 and then joined a oh. brewing club at the age of 17 and had, through his father's winemaking and other businesses, had access to premium hops and ingredients. And so a 17-year-old kid, 1972, started Sierra Nevada Brewing and is still owned today by Ken Grossman. What a great story. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I, was, I was first introduced to that beer on a celebrity cruise in uh, the Caribbean from Miami. No, and really. it was all part of my it was all part of my free uh, drink as much as you like deal. <laughs> they didn't make any money out of me with that beer being on the table. I tell you, there you go. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know you were a celebrity. So I didn't now I'm either. glad to know that. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I, you know, I, I don't like to shout too much about these things, but you know, since I've met Trent, these things happen, don't they? Yeah, anyway. yeah. It's all in yeah. who you know, right? Yeah, who you know. Um, so I've got some news. So Edmund the Rothschild, the head of the Rothschild family, the people that basically own uh, the banking world, has um, mysteriously has died in the last hour. Huh. No. There you go. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I thought you might say that. That's a pretty interesting development for this morning. How old of a fella is he? He was he was in his late eighties, I believe, but he hmm. wasn't. There was no. But the other thing was that um, Morning Mika, because I've got it used to seeing some of these jokers, um, you know, that tell America, you know, that they've got to vote Democrat and everything. Well, apparently he's crying in his milk this morning. Um, I've just seen some stuff coming across the waves telling telling everybody that he fears he fears that there could be a really really huge republican backlash today there you go just thought i'd tell you what are you living in a cave you're not paying attention to what's going on and what how the people are responding i mean seriously you, you can't all of a sudden wake up on election day and say huh apparently people don't like these policies <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, well, that is what they are doing. That is what they are doing. They, they're trying to work out why people are more interested in inflation and the fact that there's no energy, uh, uh, a border that's uh, got more holes in it than a sieve. And, uh, and they think they should be worried about, you know, whether to legalize abortion right up to term limits. That seems to be the big issue for the Democrat Party, which is astonishing, really. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm ashamed that not, I'm ashamed that neither one of you realize that democracy is at stake. Even though we live in a representative republic, uh, democracy is at stake. Well, I, I didn't know that Jay until I, I heard the president was speaking about it last week yeah. on Thursday. So now I yeah. say hey, this is a big deal. Yeah, democracy. He's been saying that he's been saying, he's been saying democracy is at stake for a long time. In fact, the buzzword on Twitter is democ from all these lefties is democracy is at stake. Because oh, yeah. we are not we're not censoring people like we were before. People that don't agree with us are allowed to say what they want. I finally, uh, on my Twitter feed, I finally just came up with like a cut and paste statement that I could make, which is that we don't live in a democracy. We don't live in a democracy, you idiot. Mm -hmm. And if you call people an idiot, though, you eventually will get censored a little bit. Well, not anymore. Uh, no. that, uh, that idiot you get censored for that. You'll, you'll no. get censored if you threaten. You get censored if you threaten to kill them, and you'll get censored well, if you, you pretend to be somebody they are not. Well, but in the past, but listen, in all fairness, though, and I, I mean, I heard you all talking about this part earlier, too, and I understand where Musk has already kicked a couple folks out. We don't have to, like, go back through mm -hmm. it. But, but seriously, in the past, I got called a Nazi and a racist, like, on every comment that I ever made yeah. on Twitter. And yeah, you, they, if you even responded with them, this, if you just responded yeah. telling somebody they were ignorant, which is uh, can be a fact, right? <laughs> I yes. can prove that you're ignorant of, of a <laughs> exactly. whole thing. Exactly. No, 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 right? no. That, that is free speech. What you're describing is free speech. What those people were doing to you yeah. wasn't free speech. Correct. That's hate speech. That's a different thing. And there is a difference between free speech uh, and hate speech. Uh, I, 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 no, I'm not buying that. I don't buy that. Well, 
because that leaves well, somebody to interpret what's hate speech and what's free speech, and that that will never well, work. Well, that well, um, I think it's very obvious. If you start, um, you can call somebody an idiot, but if you call them a, a the N word or, or those things, those aren't those those. You don't. I, I don't, I don't agree. Graphic language. Uh, I don't agree. You, you don't need to. Well, you don't agree. You don't need to use that graphic language. You tell me, right, Trent? You're very, very clever at this. You tell me not to say certain words on the radio, but if you believe what you really believe, I could say anything on the radio. You can say anything you want to on the radio. It'll be the last day you do it because the station <laughs> that airs it's going to get a fine and we're going to be done. So there's no free speech? I suppose there's not. No, there's, I agree with But it. the question so, is... Um, why is the the internet is not regulated at the same level that these radio stations are? I, I, I'm but, just saying it seems not it seems natural to me that you should be able to tell somebody they're wrong, call them an idiot, but you're not you can't threaten to kill them. You can't make threats to people. That is not free speech. That, I, that, I will only bullying. just repeat quickly what I said earlier. You cannot do something that's illegal. Other than that, it mm -hmm. should be free speech. Well, yeah, I, I think I I think I agree with that as a principle. The the reality is though that good because I was gonna call you an idiot if you didn't agree. <laughs> no, I what I also think though well, that's, that's fair enough, but if you called if you called him a idiot, something very right. nasty idiot, you that's not free speech. That's that's causing him harm. Go ahead, well, Jay. So let's so let's just say this though the the reality is is that Twitter is a private company. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where all this yeah. a lot of this a lot of this uh, a lot of this censorship stuff, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those companies, uh, I believe, like every company, my my wife owns a business that is open to the public, but she has told yeah, yeah. certain people they cannot come into her business. No. He has the right to do that. Uh, people yes. that come in and are highly disruptive and are destructive. It's we we've begun to treat these uh, social media platforms as though they have some sort of government authority as well. I also don't believe the government should be cooperating with the big tech companies. But the reality is, the big I tech think it's the other way around. Are privately owned, and they. You know what? If you don't like the rules, I I stayed off of Twitter for for a year. Yeah, literally for a year. And I came back a few days before the Musk takeover took place just so that I could see what it really looked like. It was a cesspool of liberal yep. diatribes that were so yep. vile it wasn't even funny. And then no, and overnight, now, and now it's not like that. Overnight, well, it's at least balanced, right? The liberals yep. are still just as vile as they ever were. Uh, they literally cannot seem to type without curse words. Uh, flying off their their screen but whatever okay at, at least you know uh, again I, I i guess i'm one of those people it's a little bit in the middle here on on the on the whole censorship thing for private companies i do believe that the the company does have the right to do it it doesn't have to be a good decision they've never professed to be uh, uncensored that that's no. just never been you can't uh, never been can't, a, you, a statement from them. Okay, well, I, I would agree with, with Trent when he says it, if it's illegal, it's not allowed. A, a lot of the language I see is, should be illegal because they are they are language, they're aggressive language that seeks to harm people. 
that should be illegal. That's my belief. Sticks and stones will break my bones, and words will never hurt me. Well, words can't hurt. (laughs) Words can can really be hurtful, Trent. They can Mm. be very hurtful. Words can take your income stream and make it zero. Yeah. I'm sticking with my theory. Yeah. I know, know because your your theory, you, you have a lot of theories. Like you don't think that there should be political parties, but it'll never happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, well, come on, move on. Come on, on that one. About no one I, no I want one. Jay to weigh in on that one before we move yeah, on. Yeah, no, George George Washington agreed completely. Right? It was I his agree. if you read his papers, it was his number one disappointment of America's formation was that the parties formed. And he was you, like very, very disappointed and and the only people that weren't disappointed were the people that either won or barely lost. <laughs> you know, uh, the people that were close it, in, it, the, in the battle. Whatever you do, whatever you do, if you start with 500 independents or three independents, at some point there will be a coalition to have the majority say. That's yeah. it. That's a party. Yeah. So whatever you say, whatever you say, and whatever you try to convince me of, I know that there's 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 fairies in the sky in this reality, and we are going to have political parties. The the sad thing is, and I agree with Trent on this, is that I've always found it very difficult to understand why one part there are certain things I like about the Labour Party in the UK, and there are certain a lot more things I like about the Conservatives. But I'd like some of those Labour things to be in the conservative ideology, and it never seems to get there, which really upsets me. Because, you know, balance is normally where most people want to be. Well, I'm just firmly in the party of the power of the people. And when any party is as, as in staunch as we have now, the true power is tough for the people to regain. It's an everyday process. And as much as I believe in that constitution, people are not going to exert that level of power to keep it at the level of the people. And that is really where it all comes back to. The balance, check and balances gets out of whack when the people don't have the power. And that's the representative republic that Jay was talking about earlier. Last segment, roll route just ahead. I would encourage you to go to the website. You know what? You don't need to go to the website if you sign up for the free email newsletter. Protecttheharvest.com. A free fed America is a prosperous America. We have an attack on America. What are you going to do about it? Well, what I suggest you do is empower yourself with all of the tools available And these email newsletters, which don't cost you anything, I would suggest that you make a $20 contribution or $200 or $2,000. I don't care. But these things all cost money. And at the end of the day, Protect the Harvest is working every single day to empower you to bring to light the human element and what's going on in the food and fuel business. I don't know anybody that does a more comprehensive job of dealing with the issues that so many don't want to tackle. Most of these non-governmental organizations, they they only want to tackle the ones that benefit them. We tackle the ones that benefit everybody. Details at protecttheharvest.com. Welcome back, Earl Route, Trent Lewis, alongside Jay Truett. 
Andrew and Damien so quietly sitting over there in the UK. Damien, <laughs> Damien, you got nothing to share here today. Andrew's just hogging all the airtime. Well, he always does. He sucks the air out. <laughs> so, so, so what? what sucks what, the air on the roof. To 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 what Jay was saying, I'll tell you about faith in the media. I had my faith in the media questioned literally last night. Somebody I know had been working in the media in New Zealand all the way through. Um, through COVID. And that person told me, and I don't have any doubt that I was told the truth, told me uh, in their own words that during COVID, when that person was involved in the 1.30 afternoon, uh, when Jacinda uh, Ardern every day at 1.30 held a press conference and told the New Zealand public just how dire the situation was, this person was told and was briefed by people in that media organization to say that it was being paid for at that point by Pfizer. And the interesting thing to that is that if you go take a look at the ownership structure of that organization, and you also see who the key ownership of Pfizer is, you come back to BlackRock and others of their ilk. When, she, when I was told about this, I didn't at first believe it, but the more I've looked into it, the more I realise that they were telling me the truth. I have no reason to doubt it. But that meant that on the evening news during that period, the main story headlines were contrived because they had to fit a certain narrative. And if that's all true, then that's absolutely scandalous. Yeah. We, we've been seeing that for quite some time, Damien. Yeah. I think it's absolutely true, and more importantly, I think we've been, we probably, uh, we're just, you could call us naive, stupid, whatever you want, I, whatever term actually applies the most, maybe just honestly, pure old ignorance is what uh, us as citizens have shown over the last maybe 15 or 20 years as this, it started a long time ago. This is not something yeah. that started in COVID, yeah. right? I mean, we all know yeah. that. Now, the is there any value in going back and trying to figure out what started it maybe as a fair question, but I, I don't see how we come back from it either. I'll be honest mm. with you. I, I spent a lot. I have a lot of friends that are in the media business and I, I sat and talked to them. Some of them are as alarmed as everyone else about what's going on around them. They find themselves on little islands in their own companies and they're all my age, so they're just being retired out early, you know. Yeah. They get special little yeah. packages to quit. So, well, so Jay, do you, do you not think that there is a do, – do you subscribe to Trent that, that, that this is still – the only way to save this is over the next 15 or 20 years to rebuild from the local communities in America to save the world? Or do you think there needs to be a two-pronged attack with this, with, with people waking up and corroborating, corroborating with each other, collaborating, collaborating with each other. Do you think it's a local fix, like well, Trent does, that with it, with some national, or do you think it's it's irretrievable? What's your thoughts? No, I don't. I don't think it's irretrievable. But I will. I, I say this all the time. We train politicians usually from birth, and they all and they all grow up in some local community, and we train them. And if you look around to the same point, uh, again, now I'm going to sound like Trent, right? I need, I need to actually just put a cowboy hat on this morning because 
<laughs> no, the reality is, is that if you look, we've all kind of just like turned a blind eye to the ridiculous mm -hmm. stuff that was going on in school boards. We, uh, I told somebody yesterday, we've allowed our local communities that our goal was mediocrity. Well, if you don't meet your goal, what does that mean, right? That you're below mediocrity. And so yeah. we, and then we've taken those people, somebody that was on a city council or a county commission, and we think somehow or another they're qualified to be our state representative and state mm -hmm. senator. And we've just trained them for the last four to six years to do jack squat. I mean, mm. nothing in the whole system or to actually be already obligated. And we, and we roll that. They become our congressmen then next. And one of them runs for governor. And then we turn around and, and, uh, and we turn those people into U.S. senators and, and et cetera, et cetera. Our whole system here is supposed to be designed with the individual at the top in a triangle at the yeah. top of the pyramid and we've turned around and created it uh, yeah. in in the inverse at this point and and so yeah no long term you're not going to fix this at the federal level until we fix this at the local level even if you right. donald trump fixed a lot of stuff at the federal level. For the first two years he was president, especially, he was able to accomplish a significant number of things that had to be done. It didn't last. Why? No, no, no I, agree I agree with you. I agree with you. The entire supporting cast underneath him mm -hmm. was- so I'm going to ask you a question then. So, you know, looking at, let's just look at the Arizona situation as a, as a, as a, as a spot to focus on. You, in my opinion, forgetting whether people are apathetic or not, Carrie Lake probably won that vote by 75%. Because if you look at her Facebook uh, follows compared to her opponent, she's got, I mean, at least 15 to 1 on, on that sort of uh, popularity. So I'm going to ask you, how locally can people in Arizona, because they've lost. So she's lost that. So is the Attorney General. Everybody's lost. So you're trying to fix things locally, but actually the local elections have been gerrymandered. So how will you ever get back if you cannot change that local election situation? Which is, that's why I'm saying I, I don't see it because it's already been 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 got out. It's already done. So Andrew, before already... anybody answers that question, what's your answer? Well, my answer is that um, I would have liked to have thought that there was a judicial path for these things. But it seems to me that in America, there isn't one. Although you say you've got this book, it doesn't seem to get to a court that allows it to, to actually be looked at. That's what I'm saying. There's not one of these elect all these affidavits of election fraud, not one Supreme Court judge has looked at those cases. So it doesn't matter what you do locally, you're not going to get anywhere. No, so even wait, the sheriff's not doing anything. Yeah, but yeah, but hang hang well, on a second though. Ohio yeah. fixed Ohio fixed their problems. Ohio right. figured out how to fix their problems. Florida fixed their problems. Texas fixed about a third of their problems. Okay. Oklahoma managed to fix their problems. A whole right. bunch of states actually did fix what probably were underlying issues 
and you can almost look at the map now and see where people actually address the issues. And, and and to Jay's point, the states that had a local movement to fix those issues did. The moral of the story is Arizona has not, Arizona and Pennsylvania have not decided to fix their issues at the local level. And until they decide to do that, we're going to continue to slide backwards in those states. I would say it's a lot more than that, Trent, because if you look at the vote compared to the exit polls, that it's statistically impossible. And that's in most of the states. It's just that it's more obvious in some states. Yeah, but I don't think, you know, I've got to tell you, it's all over America. All right, though, wait, 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 though. Let me give you a bit of caution just to consider, just to put in your in your coffee and stir, right? Uh, Or tea in your case and stir. when you look at the when you look at those exit polls and people's attitudes that uh, we made we just made a giant mistake over this so let's not make it again and uh trent do we have time to finish yeah. this yeah we got four we, minutes okay so no literally what that what the election what the exit poll didn't capture was they said, are you happy with uh, uh, Trump or Biden or whoever, right? We've been doing this for a while now. Where are you happy with the direction that the country is headed? No. But you did have a group of people that were part of that deciding cast that despite how they felt about the direction of the country, they still voted in another way. Yeah. And, I, um, and so are we, we forgetting, capture all of that. Jay, are we forgetting one important thing? Who captures the exit poll data and summarizes right. it? Right. No. The same why, media outlets that we've already said have a narrative. Yeah. So I, that's why. Whoa, I, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't, both of you can't get away with that. The exit polls on the House were accurate between, within 0.8% across the whole of America. The exit polls on the Senate were wrong by. 300 percent yeah so let's just get this straight and, and you don't was... think you're being played that's what's amazing no no, to me. no, it, no being yeah they're definitely being played but the, you just said that it's their narrative it was their exit polls right so what I'm trying and to you're thinking and you're believing so, so, what they want you to believe no what i'm trying to say yeah, to you is are. if you're telling me if you're telling me that it's been fixed in most states yeah. And there were doing 0.8% in the House. And then on the vote, the actual votes cast, they're very close. But because of the way the votes have been manipulated, it threw the vote, vote by 300% in seven hours, Trent. Mm-hmm. That proves to me that their exit polls, they, it wasn't in their interest to show that exit poll being that wrong. Yes, it was. They should be within no, 5%. They got you exactly where they want you. So the exit, oh, but the, but the exit poll... The exit poll only captured the votes that took place that day. In a state like Arizona, that wasn't even the majority of the vote. Seven, Andrew, you said said 17% of the votes were Democrats. No. On the election day. Yeah. On election day. But but they won 50% of the vote on election day, Trent. Yeah, but- That that proves Jay's point. Yeah, you're you're missing my point. My point is, is that all those mail-in ballots, mm-hmm. all those states that still allow massive mail-in ballot numbers are the ones that skewed that number nationally so far that you can't, you can't count it. If we would have just gone by election day activity and attitudes, Blake Masters would be sworn in to, as a 
U.S. Senator from Arizona in January, but he won't be because of mail-in balloting. Same reason Carrie Lake came in short. Now, well, okay, so illegal, illegal or not legal, that's legal how it's going legal. to be at this moment. Damian Buckley, thank you for joining us. Andrew Henderson, <laughs> Jay Truitt, I'm Trent Luce. All four of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route. In closing, let's talk about certified Piedmontese and the opportunity that Great Plains cattlemen have to get paid properly. I'm excited about this Friday. I'll be weaning my calves, the Calf Crop 2022. That's a, you know, you breed the cows, and then you come back the next year, you see what the calves look like, and the calves look fantastic. I'll get them weaned, keep them on feed for six weeks, get them really off and running, and then they go into the system for the Certified Piedmontese Beef Program. I'll be in Lincoln today. I'll have more details about anything and everything new. You can get details every day at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Let's get paid properly as cattlemen.